Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to the Prime Book Club. In 1990, when I was about 12 years old, I used to go visit my grandfather a lot who lived in the same town that I did at the time. And he used to have the VCR, which I didn't have at my home or my apartment that I lived with my mother at the time. And he used to buy these three packs of VHS tapes for me to go ahead and record something if I saw it on TV because he had cable. And then whenever I went to visit, if I was bored or whatever, I could go in his living room and I could go watch it. And I remember, I think it was like a Sunday night, I came over to visit, and I was just randomly flipping through the channels, and on ABC, NBC, one of those you know local stations, they were saying, stay tuned for our Sunday night movie, and it was Stephen King's It. And it was a two-part miniseries, and I just remember being so enraptured with the story that, that, that the miniseries told. You know, and I, so I watched it the next night. I recorded it on this VHS tape, both parts. It was like a total of four hours almost. And I just watched it over and over and over again to where the, like the tape started warping. So today, then, we're going to be discussing Stephen King's 1986 novel, It. So oftentimes when I'm asked, what is your favorite book? It's usually a toss-up between Frank Herbert's Dune or... Stephen King's It. I remember being so enraptured with the miniseries after I watched it, I took my newly found or my newly you know, issued library card and went to the local library on my own and I checked out this book. And it's a huge tomb of a book. It comes in over a thousand pages. And I remember like feeling like I had to hide it from my mother at the time, which was really challenging because not only was it a huge book, uh, but it also had like the lam uh, lamina- uh, the 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 laminate on there that crinkled you know the plastic over the book of over the dust cover that would crinkle so I would read at my room all super quietly under my bed and I would like you know go outside and find somewhere to read it and at the time when I was reading it you know I was only about twelve years old and a lot of the themes I didn't understand and a lot of the situations I didn't understand but at the very core I knew I loved this novel and from then till now I've lost track of how many times I've read this book you know I've read it different periods in my life I've read it being a teenager I've read it being a young adult I've read it you know just entering into marriage or, or, or fatherhood I've read it overseas and in, in the Middle East I've read it you know now in my 30s and 40s and each time that I've read this book it's had a different impact on me because of the different perspective I was bringing to it and I'll delve into that more when we talk about the actual book but this book is very special to me and at first when I started the Brian book club I wanted to cover this book right away but I was like no I, I don't want to jump right into books that I, I, I hold dear I want to give it some time to think about how I can do this book justice and this series. So a little backstory on this. This book was written in 1986 when unfortunately Stephen King at the time was in the throes of a major drug addiction. I mean it was pretty bad at that time. You know there's comments he's made about not remembering writing Cujo, not remembering writing parts of Tommyknockers. 
you know, like, uh, and for those of you who don't know, Stephen King is perhaps one of my favorite authors. And there were, you know, I, I remember in my, like my, <laughs> my, for my bachelor's program, I wrote like a 25 page paper in my English two comp class on Stephen King. And there was, there's like some really disturbing stories he has about how bad his drug addiction was, you know, like staying up at night in his house and writing when his whole family's asleep and having to shove two Kleenex or two Kleenexes into each nostril of his nose because he was doing so much cocaine that like his nose would just randomly start bleeding and he couldn't sit over his typewriter or word processor without the blood just starting to flow down. And eventually when there was like an intervention at this time, uh, around this time, you know, like he told a story about where they had to dump a, a trash can that he had by his office desk and it just had like baggies of coke and just all this horrible stuff. You know, he's a raging alcoholic too at the time. But you can really see the elements of him, you know, dealing with not only childhood and adulthood while writing this book. And I think dealing with those demons of, of addiction. So the book basically tells two concurrent stories at the same time. And I'm not going to try to get into too many spoilers here. But just forewarning, there may be some spoilers. But it tells the story in 1956 when a group of children have to confront this evil in the town that they live in in Derry. And then 30 years later, when they have to come back as adults and confront it again. And how, it, how the story is written is wonderful. And the fact that it jumps back and forth between the childhood element and the adult element. So he's telling like two separate stories at the same time. And I think the reason when I first read the book that it really like struck me as good and really had a huge impact on me is the fact that I was 12, 13 years old and I was starting to go through those changes into my teenage years from childhood. And that is a kind of a theme that is also dealt with in the book. But I mentioned earlier too that each time I've read it in my life, it's had a different impact on me because a lot of it's about the loss of innocence you know, that you had in childhood and trying to reclaim that as an adult and forgetting things from your childhood and realizing like the impacts of things in your childhood have on you as an adult. And this book is like a, a huge tomb of self-discovery between these individuals when they were kids and they're starting to realize the world is not as innocent as they thought it was as children and as adults trying to reclaim that innocence and that worldview they had as children. And it's very you know, it, it's very, I don't know, it's very impactful. Stephen King said something great about this book. He says, you truly don't start losing your childhood until you have children of your own. And, and you realize that, like, how it's slipping away and it's kind of being handed off to your next generation. And, and I don't think, I think a lot of people um, in this generation, current generation, don't realize just how, and I'm, I don't mean to say this in any kind of like insensitive way, but they don't realize how nowadays, how people are open as adults with their hobbies that they had as children. But back in my generation and earlier, it was kind of shunned to look down upon that you held on to things from your childhood. It was kind of like, you know, a lot of it was said, you know, boys do what boys do and men do what men do and, and, and girls and women and so on and so forth. And it was, you're supposed to leave a lot of that behind and become a mature adult. Not saying that people nowadays who have hobbies, I mean, like I do, I play tabletop role-playing games. Not saying that I'm childish, but it used to be kind of frowned upon back when this book was written. 
This book, by the way, is 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 it has tons of horror elements, tons of it, so many different types of horror. You have supernatural horror that's kind of uh, inspired almost in a way by H.P. Lovecraft that kind of has that cosmic vibe to it. You have that monster creature horror. You know, the the the, the creature in this book, the antagonist, is a creature that can can take different shapes of people's fears. Now it usually shows itself as a clown called Pennywise, but it, it, it can change its shape to bring out fear in people. And then when it feeds off people, the fear makes the people taste better. And another element that of horror is the history of this town dairy, because this creature, it pretty much has been, in this town dairy since the founding of it if not before and like every like 27 years i said 30 years earlier but it's really like every 27 years this creature comes back and feeds for a couple of years and hibernates and comes back and the, and this and this creature has like the, the the ramifications of it being evil and and spreads amongst this town to where like this town just doesn't quite sit right and again it has the kind of that hp lovecraft vibe to it but it shows how just the presence of the it is affecting this town. And you you get that very small town closed-mindedness. And one, one good thing about the book does, it goes back and it, through different elements, either through some of the characters who do research or little interludes. It tells the history of this town like before 1957 and how you can kind of see it had like this little vein of evil that like ran through it that affects certain things things and it's really awesome it gives a perspective to it It also has real life horror in there you know it has very uncomfortable situations that you have to deal with especially dealing with one of the antagonists uh, a, a, a bully named henry bowers or it deals with like abusive relationships or it deals with like uncomfortable situations with the loss of a family member or with overbearing parents or with closed-minded towns or just so many different things and, and it really resonates i mean i remember it resonating to me as a child reading this like i can relate to some of this and i can understand like the pain and the, and, and the uncomfortableness like the changes in your body brings to you or just the way that adults treat you and they don't take you seriously and and then I remember reading it as an adult and being like, I remember, you know, I, I know the horror of like forgetting things as childhood and trying to remember and cling on to things and bring back the positive aspects of childhood and to your life. So you can share that with your children and understand their perspective, where they're coming from and not, and not try to be as understanding as you can. And so a lot of that ties into a very good horror story but also a horror story that has a very good moral to it that makes you show like the power of love and friendship and innocence can conquer evil and just how being having a support system of peers and can really just lift you up and help you conquer so many difficulties and odds in this world now when i was deciding to do the stephen king's it for the brian book club i was whether, i was juggling whether or not i should talk about what i'm about to talk about but I feel like I should and don't want to take this as like me condoning any kind of inappropriate behavior, but I feel I should shed light and bring a perspective that those who have not read the book but may have heard a negative rumor about the book uh, and just kind of help them understand it. So one thing that drives me nuts being a Stephen King's it fan is whenever you see it brought online, you always have people. And I mean, I'm not like 
insulting people who bring this up. But you have people who say, oh, I don't want to read a book that has a quote unquote, child, you know, minors doing lewd, you know, gangbang such acts. I'm going to tell you as a reader who's someone who's read this book multiple times, and mind you, there's a whole slew of people in this population who have read this book and enjoyed this book. That is not what that scene is. You know, that scene is more of a tender moment, and it's not a bunch of individuals at once being sexually active. It's, it's supposed to show a group that is lost in the dark sewers who, are, who can't see anything, and it's dark, and they're, they're, they're basically... And I don't want to spoil too much, but it's about a bunch of people going their own ways and, and, and into adulthood. And the one female member of the group thinks that the one way she can connect the group again to where they can survive the situation is, is having intercourse with them, but not all at the same time. And is with each individual one and, and, it, and it's really tender, but awkward. And it shows a lot what we deal with as, as young adults and teenagers when we're in that stage. It's not over descriptive. It's not vulgar. And it's, and it's very kind of sad. And, and, and it's, and it's represents almost like a lot, the transition into adulthood and the loss of innocence in a way but it's definitely not what you read when you see people bring it up and they and they they kind of like joke about it but i get where those jokes come from and fine but i want to tell people who may be hesitant to read this book because they hear those that that's not the case and it's not and trust me if it was anything that was horrible lewd inappropriate and 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 just bad like that this book would not be on the shelves to this day and especially would have not survived in the 80s where things were more conservative than they are now so on and so forth now stephen king has mentioned that maybe in retrospect and hindsight he might not have had that scene but again i want to reiterate that that scene is, is is not a horrific any kind of scene like that involving minors so i just want to get that out because it really does frustrate me because i try you know and it puts you in an odd predicament being a fan of the book when you read something that online like on someone like on reddit or some web form and you want to try to explain the what that scene signifies and what it means and how it's not really like that. But then people may try to flip that on you and say that you condone some inappropriate stuff. And that's not even the case at all. So how can Stephen King's it be used as influences for the world of darkness? So there are tons of influence. I've, I've used this book myself as an influence in some games that I've ran. But first I would say like the one thing that really comes to the top of, of the list is it can influence a good changeling the lost, I think, antagonist, meaning that, that this creature Pennywise is in a way almost like a changeling. You can be very well used as influence as something that steals kids away or that takes kids and disappears and comes back. Now, I don't know if you would have it to where these kids would be, you know, changelings when they came back, but you could definitely use Pennywise as an influence, as a true fey antagonist and changeling the lost. And I'm sure there's many other ways that you can use it in different World of Darkness, you know, splats, but that's the first one that comes to the top of my head there is that it would be, it's, it's almost like a perfect example of a true fey. Now, and, he, and by the way, he, Stephen King has said that Pennywise was influenced by, and I forgot that, by, by a story about a troll under a bridge. Well, that's, you know, very similar to Changeling the Lost and the whole fey aspect of it. So you can see where there's like definitely cross streams there and, con and connections that can be made. Another thing that I like about the book is that that can be used in World of Darkness saying is that fate bringing people together, right? You know, we all know that, 
you know, and a lot of tabletop role-playing games, like fancy types, you know, meet at the tavern is kind of a, a, a jest about how you get people to work together. But, you know, there's something really special in a story where you kind of imply that fate has brought them together. Now, I don't do that in all, all my stories. Matter of fact, I've only done that in one story that I ran. And that was the Chronicles of Darkness game, The Ultimate Evil, which is really uh, heavily inspired by Stephen King's It. But I think if you do that carefully, and you kind of show that 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 people are meant to be together to conquer something, and that together they are able to overcome, and almost with a little dash of like supernatural uh, inspiration to them, that can tell an awesome story. That can and when I think of a game system that can be done with, I would say use it with a Chronicles of Darkness mortal game, because I think when you think vampire, werewolf, mage, whatever, changeling, hunting, or both One World of Darkness and Chronicles of Darkness lines, there's already enough supernatural elements there. You don't need to use fate, quote unquote fate. But in a mortal Chronicles of Darkness game, you can use that. And you can just use a little bit of it. And you don't even have to go outright and tell the players that fate is drawn them together. But if you do it right and kind of guide it, I think the players will get that impression on their own. And it makes that group just even more special and that friendship even more special and knowing that they're together to support each other and to conquer something greater than them and that is evil. Stephen King does that really well. And you feel like while reading this book, oftentimes that you're a part of that group and you want to see them succeed and you want to see good conquer evil. And, and that is one thing that a theme that I love in horror. I, when I read horror, and mind you, there's horror stories that don't have that theme. But the one thing I like is when good conquers evil. It doesn't have to be a chivalrous knight slaying a dragon and that obvious. But the story of that evil, that good will prevail. I, I, I really like that. And that's one of the reasons why I like horror, to believe it or not. And another thing that, and, and one thing that Stephen King's It, and I don't want to say It started this because I guess like Huckleberry Finn and, and past stories have had like children working together, but you can definitely see like in stuff like Stranger Things that it is inspired by Stephen King. I mean, the font in Stranger Things, that's from Stephen King's first publisher's font. Go check it out. It's pretty awesome. And you can tell that Stranger Things was inspired by like Goonies and Stephen King's It and so on and Stephen King novels, period. But I would think that it would obviously be an inspiration to run a story like The Innocence Splat for Chronicles of Darkness. Or even using it not only to tell a children's story, right, where children are the protagonist or where children are the protagonist, but telling a story that has two con- concurrent, I guess, storylines. Now, I t- attempted to do that in our Chronicles of Darkness, the Ultimate Evil game. But I didn't do it like simultaneously. I did to where adults, they played adults who had throughout the story were getting like visions or memories were starting to come back to them from their childhood. And they were able to kind of like solve what, what, what they were trying to figure out at that time. But this book is awesome at that. This book is great at that. So I think it's obvious I would rate this book five out of five. And like I said, I juggle depending on the mood I'm in or depending on the stage of my life. When someone asks me what my favorite book is, it's either this book or it's Frank Herbert's Dune. Now, I suggest, I, this is a book that I tell people, period, to read. <laughs> I'm like, when people, I, I'm not going to just say, just read it for a world of darkness inspiration. I'm going to say, read this book. Now, it's funny because this book and Dune are the two books that I tell people to read. And these are the two books that sometimes when I check in with a friend, like, hey, did you finish it? And then like, eh, and you get that uncomfortable where they're afraid they're going to hurt your feelings for telling you that they didn't finish it. 
uh, uh, because it's lengthy and it's large and it takes a while to get through, but it is so worth it and it's full of treasures and it's really awesome. Now there's that 1990s miniseries, which I'm, I mean, like I really appreciate for what they did in the nineties with that miniseries, especially for it being like on the major three television stations. Then they have that recent movie that just came out, which eh, I give like a C plus to it. But this book though, I give a plus five out of five. So if you would like to reach us, you can find us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM. You can find us on Facebook at Vampire the Masquerade. You can also, we have a Discord. You can find the link on either our Twitter or our Facebook. If you're a fan of the series and enjoy it, a thumbs up on YouTube and a sub and a comment would mean the world. If you enjoy the podcast version, a review on your preferred podcast app and on iTunes would also mean the world. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. And thank you again for you folks who watch this. It really means the world to me. And I hope you have a good rest of your day. Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want. Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called White Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there.